T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We got Jason on the line. Jason for CBS Sports NFL Insider. Jason, how you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? We're doing well, man. I got Randy Cross sitting aside uh, from me. Uh, and, uh, man, you know, I, I really don't know where to start. There's so many storylines in the NFL these days. Of course, you've got, you know, for a protest that are going on and, and some teams uh, a little split on that, on how they, they, they move forward. But I want to start on the field. I'm a little concerned about my man Cam Newton. How concerned are they down there in Carolina country? Um. You know, the, the team is taking everything in stride, of course, and taking the long view, and, you know, he missed a lot of time, and it's going to take some time to ramp him up and all that stuff, and and and, and I get that. But, uh, yeah, if you're a Carolina Panthers fan or if you're a football fan just sort of, you know, who appreciates Cam's game and, and you're watching this, it, it's, a little, it's a little tough to watch. Um, he doesn't look like the same guy. He, he's not doing the, the sort of Cam MVP things. But I, I do think there's certainly a legitimate uh, sentiment to be had that, yeah, you know, he had surgery and, and he didn't have a normal offseason. And this is still kind of sort of his, his training camp. I think the key will really be, you know, let's give it another week or two. Like, we're, we're into October now. Um, we're out of the first quarter of the season is he look? Does he look like you know a, a, a spry, um, you know strong, uh, you know dominant athlete? Because this is a person we get accustomed to being, mm. you know, the best athlete on the field, um, at least for parts of his career. He certainly was on something close to a week in, week out basis. So, yeah, you know, he, he gets hit a lot, and the offensive line isn't great, and they've kind of rescaled the offense a little bit, and, and don't do quite as much read option stuff as they used to. So there's still some things they need to figure out, but um, he he doesn't he doesn't look quite the same to me, and and I don't know if some of that is it has to do with all all those sort of hits and abuse he's taken, or if it is just related to trying to come back from from this surgery. Where where does it seem you've seen a lot of a lot of quarterbacks over the last decade or so, great young, great into their third and fourth, get to fifth or so. And it seems like they get kind of old suddenly. Is that is that traceable back to the amount of hits they take? I mean, that would sort of be the first hunch, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. where you would kind of start looking, well, okay, did something happen to them physically that altered their throwing motion or altered their decision-making or just altered their overall ability to avoid hits and to make plays? Um, you know, for RG3, it didn't even take – you know, five years, right? I mean, his prime right. was like a season, you know, and then and then it was diminishing returns. You know, Andrew Luck, I think, you know, probably what was about three years before he really started getting, you know, punished to the point of, you know, sitting out weeks on end and broken ribs or, um, you know, significant issues with his shoulder. And obviously the last two years for him have been um, – kind of lost seasons. I, I guess everyone sort of has their own parabola of how they develop and their own learning curve and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's weird that guys would re, you know you wouldn't expect ascending players, guys who've been in MVP discussions, um, guys who have played in the postseason and and thrive. You wouldn't expect them to be sort of declining for reasons other than than health. You know, I mean, usually when quarterbacks get into their prime, that that runs through their thirties, you know, into their into their mid thirties, and then some guys are able to push it into their late thirties, and other guys you know, seem to start hitting the wall around 35, 36. I certainly think in Cam's case, it, a lot of it is physical. And then does the physical lead to mental? You know, does do they change certain things and change the way they play, even maybe subconsciously, just because of what they've been through? Mm. When I watched Jacoby Brissett the other day, I wasn't surprised. This guy's always had talent when he, when he was at Florida prior to transferring to NC State, and he showcased it there as well. Uh, of course, the Patriots, uh, they drafted him. And, and, and since he's been traded to, to Indianapolis, are they surprised there in Indy at how quickly he has commanded this offense? I know it's just one game in, in which he went 17-24, and 24, about 250 and a touch, but the guy seems so calm out there having to learn a new playbook. Are they surprised that he's picked it up so quickly? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a little bit, a little bit, certainly. And if you go back the week before against Arizona, like, he, he wasn't awful. I mean, he had a couple of, of um, really nice drives there, and he kept that team in the game. Were they quite as prolific as they would have liked? I, I guess not, but um, the defense kind of wilted in the second half a little bit. I mean, he, he did not play a bad game against Arizona by any stretch, especially considering it was, you know, to your point, B.J., the first time he had played with that, with that ball club, and he hadn't only been around those guys for a few weeks in practice and hadn't been in that system didn't really have any natural ties to those coaches. So, yeah, I, I think he certainly has opened some eyes. And, uh, he, again, you could say, well, it's just the Cleveland Browns. But, boy, he was dominant in the first half of that game. In the first half of that game, he goes 9 for 12 for 206 yards, throws for a touchdown, runs for two. Looked like vintage Mike Vick in one of those runs. I mean, the 360 spin move. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of had some of that human joystick stuff going on. And obviously he can move the pocket. He's difficult to defend. You have to spy him. So, you know, he's going to attract somebody out of the run game or the pass game just to keep an eye on him, which, frankly, you know, the Colts could use because they're not overloaded with talent. I've been impressed by him, and certainly the Colts have been impressed by him. The teammates have been excited by the energy he brings to the huddle and some of the kind of unpredictability that is now a part of their offense. Um, Saw him hook up with, with Hilton on a really big play. Um, kind of a busted play, but something that, that those two made happen. Yeah, I mean, the Colts really needed a jolt of something coming out of that debacle in week one against the Rams. They needed a reason to feel good, somebody to inspire a little bit of confidence that, you know, hey, this season isn't lost just because Andrew Luck's probably out for five or six more weeks, and we look like, you know, absolute dog caca in week one. So good for Jacoby, man. Um, you know, I, 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 I've enjoyed watching him play, and you know, he's someone who looks like he's got a future in this league. I, I don't know that he's destined just to be Andrew Luck's long-term backup. I mean, he may turn him into a trade chip. Yeah. And their young GM, yeah. Chris Ballard, has already showed he's not afraid to make trades. Yeah. That may be a trade chip for them this offseason that they turn into something a whole lot more than whatever Philip Dorsett becomes for, for the Patriots. You know, looking at the results from this last weekend, Jason, um, are, are the are the Jets – that improved from a week-to-week basis, or do the Dolphins really just right now sort of blow? I think 
I'm going to look at last week. There were some teams that I think were in some some situations that caught up to them, and and you know the Dolphins had that 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 uh, the horrible storm. You know the hurricane come through. Week one got thrown on its ear. You got guys on the bye where they didn't think they would be. Then they all go out to L.A. for a week, and they they really play hard and you know beat the Chargers pretty good and make a statement. But then you got to fly all the way back. And now you got to go to your house, right? And you've got to check on it. And you've got neighbors who have been affected by the storm. And you've got another non-normal work week. And then you've got to travel again that week, and you still haven't played a home game yet. And I think that – and look at the Tampa as well, the other team that went through that, where, you know, Tampa loses week one, everything gets reshuffled. Week two they beat the snot out of the Bears. But now you kind of get back into the routine and, and – you know, you're still dealing with some things and you start trying to figure stuff out about, you know, just logistics of, you know, is school okay and is this okay and is that okay? And, you know, the football game kind of sneaks up on you and the next thing you know, you know, Minnesota's beating the brakes off of them by halftime. So I don't know that that's a coincidence, guys. You know, I think both those teams were really up for their first game, which got pushed to week two. You know, and then you're you're traveling a little more, you're dealing with some stuff, you're you're going on the road again and, they they just didn't you know they couldn't put much together either of those teams, um, you know unfortunately for Miami from a travel standpoint, I mean now it's an even screwier week. You're going out to London, and then you're coming back and you still don't get a home game. You got to go to Tennessee, where they can play a little bit of football, and you don't get a home game until week five. So these next two weeks are going to be very interesting for the Dolphins. And I think if you look at Adam Gase's reaction, the young coach there knows it like. They've got to kind of regroup and, and not feel sorry for themselves and figure out a way to navigate what's become an increasingly difficult schedule for them by, by you know, obviously by no doing of their own, but just the natural the natural disaster coupled with, you know, losing that bye coupled with the early schedule that was already put in front of them that was already, you know, challenging from a travel standpoint. Uh, these, are, these are a big couple of weeks now. Um, so, no, I'm not ready to crown the Jets yet. I will say this, though, look at their schedule. They get Jacksonville this week. Jacksonville just won the Super Bowl in London last week against, you know, against the yeah. Ravens. That was, you know, 44-7. <laughs> that could be a trap game for them. And then the Jets get the Browns. I mean, dare I say oh, it. A trap the game Jets, for the Jags? Dude, they'd have 44-7, <laughs> yeah. I think so. Coming back, not taking the bye, short week. They probably figure, ah, oh, we got the Jets. Look at that. We just beat the snot out of Baltimore in a foreign country. I'm just saying, and then the Jets get the Browns. I mean, the Jets could. I, mean, I don't. I don't want to get too crazy here, but Jets, Jets could be like three and two or something like that. They weren't supposed to win a game. Remember? I I I recall that. Trust me, I've heard it from my, my cohorts here uh, in the studio. Jason Locken for CBS Sports NFL Insider. Uh, speaking of the Dolphins, Lawrence Timmons, uh, he's been reinstated. Can you shed some light on that situation? Yeah, I mean, this was very unusual. Um, this is a guy who, during that uh, impromptu week one uh, bye week, showed up at a Steelers practice where he, he doesn't play for the Steelers anymore. I mean, I, I know he did his entire career. but um, So that was a little odd. He's on the side. You know, he's, he's a current member of another NFL team, and he's in the Steelers building during a practice day talking to coaches and out on the sidelines at practice. and expressing some reservations to Steelers players about the decision he made and saying maybe I never should have left Pittsburgh. And then six days later, he's AWOL on the Miami Dolphins. He leaves their team hotel on a Saturday afternoon. No one accounts for him until, you know, 12 to 18 hours later 
when he's located early, uh, I guess probably about 12, 15 hours later, he's located uh, in California, seemingly on his way back to Pittsburgh. Uh, he was inactive week one, uh, and the Dolphins had a decision to make, like, what are we really going to do here? If, if we continue to make him inactive beyond this week, then, you know, are we just are we going to suspend him for the maximum of four games for conduct detrimental and just move on? Or is this somebody we think we can still sort of, you know, make a reclamation project here and, you know, figure you know figure out whatever was going on with him. Uh, maybe it was just an episode. He was having a bad couple of weeks, dealing with some issues with, you know, his child in Pittsburgh. And, and you know, is he somebody we can move on and play football with? And, um, look, had they won week two and, you know, continued to look like a, a team on, on the march, I'm not positive that, you know, Lawrence Timmons would be active this weekend. But, they didn't, and, and now they're going to London, and, you know, it's attrition and all hands on deck, and they're comfortable that there won't be any more, you know, sort of uh, strange occurrences, and, and, you know, he's saying all the right things. So they're going to give it a go. But certainly one of the more unusual stories in the league uh, this season, because he's not a guy who had a history of not showing up or sort of, you know, bailing on his team or doing his own thing. That's, that's not who he was for the entirety of his career, and, and you just hope that, you know, he, he had a bad week and, and it's behind him. Hey, uh, Jason, at any time, was it considered by the NFL, given these uh, back-to-back natural disasters that happened and the amount of disruption that was put upon the sports world in general, but the NFL in particular, was it ever considered to postpone or cancel these these London games for some of these teams this year? I mean, or was it just purely a financial grab where the money's there, the commitment's made, uh, and, you know, the, the heck with the travel, the heck with the wear and tear on the people. We, we've got to just stay committed to our things. Well, I mean, look, the Dolphins expressed reservations in light of what happened, and they're the team that's really, truly directly affected by it because, you know, I just I laid it out there. They lose week one. I mean, they right. lose their game week one. Week one becomes a bye. Week two, you're out in California. Week three, you're playing in – in New York City, and then week four, you're going to London. So, yeah, they asked if there was something that, you know, Stephen Ross expressed some reservations, their owner, and, 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 and suggested the league office that maybe they could massage that game or move that game or just plain play that game in Miami. Since the stadium was okay now, and those fans hadn't had a home game yet, and maybe that would be a nice diversion for them. And, mm-hmm. boy, his team could, could, you know, they don't need any more frequent flyer miles. You know, they're good. We, we'd be fine playing that one at home. And they were told that, yeah, that's not something that the league, you know, could could really do at this point. I mean, is it financial? I mean, there are, you know, as much as the league office is not for profit, obviously all these individual teams are, and the overall league is for profit. And those tickets had been sold, and the stadium had been groomed, and they were ready to do this. And you had TV crews that were already going to be over there, and people dedicated to, you know, putting putting that product out there. So. It was from the league's perspective. There was sort of no going back at that point. Um, you know, I, if I was, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm, I'm certainly, uh, I'm not in love with that decision. You know, and and we'll see how they sort of handle that because that's sort of one more, I guess, little hurdle they have to overcome that's not of their own making. But absolutely, from a competitive balance standpoint, from a, uh, you know, from a just plain lifestyle standpoint. They, they very much would have preferred to be playing at home this week. The elephant in the room, of course, are the NFL uh, protests. Rashad Matthews, wide receiver at Tennessee. Uh, this young man 
lost a brother in Afghanistan. His father uh, was uh, in the Marines, longtime Marine. He says he will continue to kneel. Do you have a sense that there will be others that will continue to participate in this form of protest? Absolutely. I, I don't believe that this was a, a blip or a moment in time. This is something that's gone from some individuals making sort of their own personal statement, their own, uh, you know, I, I guess th their own sort of uh, 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 stepping out, right? Their 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 own uh, decision to not be sort of like everybody else, but to be willing to go out on this ledge. And as the climate politically in this country has conti continued to heat up, and as the president has directly inserted himself in it and basically called these players bluffs and challenged them in, in sort of his own twisted way to keep doing this these are you guys know these are incredibly competitive men these are men who come from all different backgrounds who have who've overcome all sorts of challenges to be able to do what they do for a living um you know this is the best of the best of the best and they have pride and and they have a competitive nature and now the leader of the free world is basically calling them out on a global stage uh this feels a lot more like a movement to me then one guy here and then one guy there and then maybe one guy on this roster who are sort of taking a knee. This does seem more galvanized and more unified. And I don't get any sense that the president's backing off because this is kind of what, what he's shown that he does. And therefore, I don't see the political climate ratcheting down. I think it will continue to heat up. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder where this goes for players. I don't know. Um, it's certainly not stopping. You're going to see more guys expressing their constitutional right to – free speech and, 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 and you know, uh, protected protest. I don't know if it leads to a political action committee. You know, does it ever become an athlete super PAC where you've got, you know, LeBron and, like, whoever, um, Cam and, 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 you know, athletes from different sports who actually decide that we're all going to galvanize around certain politicians, whether it's at the grassroots level, might be a, a, a state senator here, it might be a senator there or a governor here might be, um, you know, a, a national politician, somebody in election for for the next uh, presidency. And, and maybe they really do create their own platform and take this from, you know, the, 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 the expressing your, your rights at the national anthem to actually helping certain politicians get elected who you think are going to make significant changes with, you know, with, in this country with, with racial inequality, yeah. and with social injustice, and with police brutality. I mean, that's sort of where... I, I get the sense that these guys are ready to go now, and they're looking for ways to direct this as a group, as a collective, beyond just on these Sundays or before an NBA tip-off. And maybe they do get together and make this something that, that becomes a little bigger than their sports. JLC, appreciate it, man. Uh, have a good one, and we'll be watching you Sunday. Sounds good, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Jason. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.